Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Alex Sappington, the co-CEO of PageVault, a legal web capture software and services provider. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hey, Ari. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I feel fortunate to have you, and I'm looking forward to speaking. So tell us about your background and the genesis of PageVault. So my introduction to the legal world is actually through my wife. Um, she was an attorney, big law attorney in New York on the litigation side, and she's now a federal prosecutor. And it just always really fascinated me. Personally, I had more of a business background leading software companies and other industries. And when I had the chance to, to join PageVault and help lead it through its next stage of growth, yeah, I just really couldn't say no. Um, the products just made a ton of sense, given what I knew about the legal market. Interviewed customers, seemed like it was really loved by everybody who used it and just seemed like a, a really great opportunity. And so PageVault, you know, as a company was founded about a decade ago, but I'd say, you know, really the last couple of years, this topic has become more, more mainstream. Online evidence, social media evidence, things like that have just become a lot more prevalent in in litigation and kind of throughout the legal world, you know, especially recently. And so, yeah, fundamentally, we enable law firms, any discovery providers, and got some governments as well to collect web evidence, whether that be websites or social media or videos in a way that's really easy and simple, exhibit ready, can be used in court, and legally admissible. So automatically authenticated and you know, able to be brought into court. How does the collection of public, electronically stored information as evidence differ from the collection of private ESI? When we think about private data, right, that's email, Office 365, Slack, mobile devices, uh, and really the whole concept of e-discovery was created around private data. This is where you have rules about you know, making your side stuff available to the other side. And honestly, it's always been a surprisingly cordial process to me of where both sides like collect all of their own information, they exchange it, and they do it really without any questions. And so there's a lot of tools and processes around doing legal hold, collecting all this data, and then you know reviewing it once you've received it. So that's e-discovery, I think, as most people think about it. Then I really would say that public data, so again, websites, social media profiles, some people will call it like third-party data, things that are out there in the public domain. I think compared to private data, public data is just really the, the wild west. Um, and I think that kind of stems from the fact that on the private data side, it's basically impossible for attorneys to collect private data themselves. In public data, it's almost deceptively simple. In its simplest form, you know, the evidence you need is just sitting there on a web page. And you can open up snipping tool in your browser and take a screenshot of it. And you might think, hey, I've got it. Like, that's all I needed to do here. And so, you know, I really see kind of three big areas where public data, I feel is fundamentally different from private data beyond you know, just how you collect it, but you know, on a legal strategy level. And the first is that the ball is really in your court. Nobody's going to hand you this publicly available information because theoretically you should be able to go online and find it yourself. And so the ball, as an attorney, the ball is in your court. It's on you to go actually research and find this information yourself. Number two, the internet is dynamic. And so it's always changing. You know, people can take things down. They can change things. You know, really, there's no, no lock and key that you can put kind of publicly available information into. 
like he might be able to store kind of email data or or you know, cell phone data, things like that. And then finally, the authentication of evidence, I think is really important, especially on this, this public data side of things. So yeah, happy to get get more into authentication as well. Yeah, I'm very curious about the implications and challenges that come with collecting public data. So I think each of those three differences I just mentioned kind of comes with a unique set of implications and, and challenges. And so when the ball is in your court, I guess an implication would be this can really become a differentiator. If you're an attorney who knows where to find this type of data and evidence and can really leverage it effectively, sets you apart because not everybody is collecting and not everybody is using this in a smart way. At least right now, I think it will become more mainstream over the decade ahead. So folks who are using this correctly really have a strong advantage right now. And then on the second point, the internet is dynamic. You know, time really becomes of top importance here. Like you can't be, you know, waiting until you're in a formal e-discovery process necessarily to go collect public data because if they're a smart opposing side and they realize there's something useful out there, they've probably changed or removed that evidence completely by the time you're deep into the litigation cycle where you might do the rest of e-discovery. So really folks should be collecting this type of evidence pre-litigation when you're just in that research phase, maybe before you even filed the case. So it's tricky, you know, attorneys and case teams really need to have a way to collect evidence in real time as they research rather than, you know, waiting until much later into the process. And then finally, the authentication point, I just barely touched on it a second ago. Um, I think that's almost the flip side of the coin in terms of time and speed and able, ability to do this, you know, pre-litigation. Um, you know, private data isn't inherently authenticated, right? You're handing it to me. And so you've essentially granted that it's real valid evidence. With third-party public evidence, the burden is on the collector of that evidence to demonstrate that the evidence is actually authentic and it hasn't been tampered with or altered in any way. It's all too easy, as we all know, to change a website, just to change what's shown on a web page just by you know, clicking inspect elements or by using Photoshop or, or what have you. So the courts want to make sure that you know you have actual proof that you didn't you know, mess with the evidence in any way, shape, or form. And so the federal rules of evidence, 901 and 902, really explain how all evidence has to be accompanied by an affidavit that includes information about the collection process, including metadata, like the date it was collected, the time it was collected, the URL, what browser was used, some of these you know, pieces of information that you might not get with a simple type of screenshot type of thing. And then two, the certification of a qualified person. And what that means is really whoever is in the chain of custody is the person who has to be writing this affidavit. And so that ends up creating its own slew of challenges. You might have had a paralegal who's left the firm two years ago be the one who had collected that evidence, you know, back in the early stages of the process. Now you're going to court, the other side disputed the authenticity of the evidence. And you really have no way of getting that person who was in the chain of custody to actually come back and provide that affidavit. And so, you know, this happens all the time. Firms are getting this stuff wrong a lot. You know, the case, Disney v. Sorelli is one example. It was a trademark infringement case. Disney's lawyer submitted a screenshot with just a kind of a boiler. The judge called it a boilerplate affidavit to accompany that screenshot. And it was actually ruled inadmissible. It just got tossed out. Disney wasn't able to use that piece of evidence in their case to try to prove the trademark infringement. And Disney ended up losing the case because of that. So ends up, I'd say that's just one of many examples that are coming up more and more these days. And judges are getting sharper about the importance of having authenticated evidence 
being used in their court. And so it, it's creating a lot of challenges for firms. And PageVault, you know, is really the only do-it-yourself software that can kind of keep users out of that chain of custody, which allows PageVault to be the one to write the affidavits for any capture that's made within PageVault and not the actual person doing the capture, not the lawyer, not the you know, person in the e-discovery department. PageVault CTO is actually the one who, who will always write those affidavits for you. In what types of matters do you commonly see public data as a significant source of evidence? Yeah, I mean, it definitely pops up everywhere. I'm constantly surprised by, by all the different types of case matter that we're seeing. But I'd say a couple areas within litigation where it's most common. Um, probably the most easy example for folks outside the legal field to grasp is injury cases. So, you know, a car accident, a workplace injury, something like that. The defendant might be an insurance company or employer. It'll often happen where the plaintiff is saying, hey, I'm broke my back or I'm so injured I can't walk. And then they post pictures of themselves at the gym or dancing at a concert on social media. And so the defense side will want to be able to capture that social media information just to have that down and say maybe the injury wasn't as severe as claimed. Another very common area we see is intellectual property. Um, and so you know, evidence, as I was mentioning earlier, of trademark or copyright infringement on websites, e-commerce platforms, um, false claims made on Twitter, um, you know, occasionally used in trade secret or patent litigation. And then I'd say, relatedly, you know, labor and employment litigation is another big area for social media evidence, so that's discrimination, harassment, things of that nature, product liability and kind of mass court, you know, often see firms want to capture social media presence for all plaintiffs in those cases, just in case they've said something about the case that, that's relevant in some way, shape or form. So I think really all throughout litigation, you see it all the time. And then pretty important in non-litigation as well, probably with the biggest area there being intellectual property. And so, you know, trademark prosecution, as an example, you know, folks have to prepare specimens of trademark use to submit to the USPTO. And, you know, this is a very simple way to create those specimens in a, a really time-effective manner. Patent prosecution, demonstrating prior art, things like that. So not always litigation, but, but often is. How do you see firms adjusting their practices to best collect public data going forward? The challenge everyone is facing is how do you ensure you're getting all of this information that's out there that could be relevant in a time-effective manner while also ensuring it's legally admissible? And I'd say you're either using a tool that allows attorneys and case teams to collect in real time as they're doing their research, but then they're in the chain of custody and you're risking getting that evidence tossed out. Or, which a lot of firms are doing, you're kind of forcing attorneys to outsource collection. They'll often call this something like a no collections policy, which means any collection you want to do of public online data has to be outsourced. We're going to go to a third-party vendor and e-discovery provider for this. But I think the unfortunate reality of what that causes is because that's expensive, it's costly, it's time-consuming, and honestly, an e-discovery vendor often isn't even engaged in the matter at the time when you need to get this information captured. This just kind of loops back to attorneys saying, hey, it's probably not going to be used in, in court, so I'm just going to go ahead and screenshot it anyway. And so you're, you're back to problem one again. And so, yeah, I hear, we hear it all the time, like, you know, litigation support, e-discovery folks saying that, hey, this doesn't really come up that often. We don't see that many requests from, from attorneys for this type of, of information. But, you know, it really comes back to the case teams don't know that they should necessarily be going to folks like this first on data collection or they don't want to because it's a little bit more time intensive and costly for them. And so, so they're just screenshotting. Um, 
you know, I think a, a good example of this is we worked with a, a top five law firm and, you know, within a year or two of, of introducing PageVault and, you know, allowing their case teams to, to use this tool to make collections, you know, enabling their practice support team to really support the case teams with, with a tool like this, the volume of evidence being collected from the internet increased tenfold within a matter of two years. And so that just enabled them to do better law, right? They have, they have more evidence they're able to bring into court. They're able to back up their claims more regularly. It's just been, been a great outcome that's you know, kept them consistently ahead of the pack. I'd say that's, uh, that's the main, main challenges and, and some of the best practices there. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Alex Sappington, the co-CEO of PageVault, a legal web capture software and services provider. Alex, thanks, thanks so very much. Thanks so much for having me, Ari. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.